Hello, I'm Michael Heyman, and you're listening to Changemakers, the podcast from Seven Hills where we hear from inspirational people with a passion to make a difference. Now, be yourself. That's the worst advice you could give to an impressionist. Well, they're not my words, but they are those of my guest today. Rory Bremner, who else? Rory, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. The worst, absolutely. A true story. It was a Royal Variety show. I was terrified uh, walking around the wings and somebody just came up and said, don't worry, don't worry. Just go out there and be yourself. And I did think, you know, you do know I'm an impressionist, don't you? And I went out and uh, and I forgot all my words. So it was, it was uh, I've still got uh, PTSD from that one. But, um, but there you go. There you go. But who, who are you? Um, who are you enjoying impersonating the most these days? I mean, so so much material to go. Well, out, I'd imagine. Yeah. I mean, although fun, funny enough, I remember John Fortune when somebody said you must have so much material. John would sort of hand them a pen and they'd say, "Would you like to write it?" Because you know, I do feel we're re- we're living this box set life at the moment, where you know the writers are kind of excelling themselves every day. Uh, I mean, if I have a sort of idea of, of a Boris, you know, the clown, the the, the the Boris box set, the clown. Uh, and you know, series one ended with him and Michael Gove uh, the morning after Brexit, standing there looking like the producers in uh, in in that wonderful Mel Brooks film, realizing that springtime for Hitler is going to be a, a great hit. Um, that was series one. Series two ends with Boris going into intensive care, for heaven's sake, dramatically. Um, and then the the opener, uh, the opener of series three is uh, is Carrie uh, giving birth uh, to his son. Uh, in in hospital, so it is remarkable twists and turns, um, and so it, it, it's it's keeping up, isn't it? It's keeping up with um, what's going on. And, and Trump, you know, people talk about is laughter the best medicine, but you know, I think uh, bleach, Michael, try it, disinfectant, disinfectant. You know what they call? What do they call it? Is it detal or dumbass dust? Dumbass dust. So you know, try it, try it, try it. China torch up your ass. I mean. I mean, well, I'm glad you let rip there with, with the Donald. I mean, I mean, Boris, I'm sure you're going to come back to, but do you, do you find, I mean, obviously we're living in, you know, pretty, pretty tough times right now in terms mm-hmm. of COVID and all, all the rest of it. I mean, how easy is it being a comedian when all around you, it does feel so dark and, and difficult? I mean, I mean, well, it, or, or is that what we need? Well, it is in a way. I mean, it's just how we are. It's how we perceive it. How humans are as well. I mean, and you know, I suppose British, one one of the few examples of British exceptionalism, uh, which I cling to because the rest of British exceptionalism, uh, you know, Boris loved to say we're world beating, world beating. But at the moment, we're sort of seems to be world beating in terms of you know depths and depths of perception. Um, so, but I think people do. They like to look at stuff that's flying around on Twitter and on YouTube. And on WhatsApp, um, you know, people do like to be cheered up. We do have this thing. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, you should drip, put on a clown outfit and, and wander around the Nightingale Hospital or intensive care, you know, anytime soon. But what I am saying is that, you know, um, there's there's a human need to come together. Um, mm. uh, songs and choirs and music is one way we're doing it. And humour is another way we're doing it. Um, my sort of extra thing is the, the satirical thing. But I think, you know, Trump and Boris have got that pretty well squared off at the moment. They seem to people say, you know, you couldn't make it up, but but, but you know, Trump and to extent Boris just they just make it up every day, you know, and you just don't know what's coming next. You know, you're going to wait for for uh, Trump to come out on Black Lives Matter and say, I was a great friend of Martin Luther King. I knew him very well. We were really close. Played a lot of golf, and uh, I shot him. That's how close we were. And I knew his sister Billie Jean. Knew her very well. 
and you <laughs> say so, so you know how do you but it is on one one level of in hitler i think has said you know it's kind of easy because they are gifts uh and grotesques and satire sort of thrives on that but on the other hand you know there is a seriousness about this and i kind mm. of the serious side is to say that the skill set that got trump into the white house and that got Boris into Downing Street and got got Brexit done. You know that skill set is not what you need in a pandemic because you know the skill set for Brexit and Boris is all uh, bluster and, 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 and bombast and you know this is nationalism and anything. Come on, yeah, we we can do this. Um, whereas you know COVID requires a a kind of an Angela Merkel or a, or even you know even a David Miliband when you hear about his experiences with the you know the, i think it always sounds like something out of thunderbirds doesn't it the international mm. Revenue committee but you know there's a guy talking about ebola or africa or the work they're doing out there or even gordon brown you know there's a sense of the international response and as he did in some 2008 where you know like him or not uh, he was always say about gordon brown that you know he, he was good in a crisis but sometimes he had to create one first um, but nevertheless, you know, he rose to that and galvanized Obama. And they did, between them, you know, come up with an international response. Because you've you've covered all, I mean, you've mentioned just some of those names, Gordon Brown, David Miliband, Boris, all David Cameron. You I mean, you, you've seen them over the years. I mean, my, my sense is also is that satire, humour has also been an important way of, of keeping them to account. I mean, it, do you see that actually... You've got a role actually by by pointing out who they are, what they are, how you see them, that you're holding a mirror up to to the powerful. Well, I feel we went missing during the coalition uh, because the series stopped in 2010. Um, and it's easy to look back at the coalition in some way as something that's sort of slightly kind of benign, where the Lib Dems were sort of by and large, acting as a conscience to the Conservatives and all the rest of it. But it wasn't that, actually. That There's a lot going on, you know, particularly with benefit sanctions. And, you know, I mean, what, what Ian Duncan Smith was doing. I mean, you know, I'm sorry to say. Um, and um, the seeds of Brexit were being sown um, during the coalition and during austerity. And I kind of miss, I'm, I'm sad that we weren't around to, to track the rise of Farage and the rise of Brexit. We were kind of missing... Um, when all that was going on, because we weren't doing a series. Um, I mean, people say to me, even now, they say, oh, what would John Byrne and John Fortune make of all this? And, you know, I think of, you know, what they would have made during, you know, the rise of UKIP and the the run-up to, to Brexit and even, you know, the Scottish referendum. All these things that happened because the landscape has changed. When you and I, were, if you're looking back about 10 or 15 years ago, or even back to 2008 or so, um, there was that change because... Um, from about 2000 onwards, it was all about the economy. You know, Bill Clinton is the economy, stupid. And everything became about the economy to the extent that all these e economists and business people like um, Robert Peston and um, Evan Davis and Faisal Islam shifted from being economics and business correspondents to being political correspondents because economics was politics. And then in 2014 and the, the, the referendum of 2016, Brexit, politics came back. Because in this world of just economics, people felt left behind. They felt alienated by globalization. It wasn't working for them. And politics came back and bit hard. And so that's what, you know, that's the sort of landscape. And I think it's been intensely political since. And does that give you more personality to go at as, a, as, an, as an oppressionist, as a satirist? 
No, it gives you, um, I think there is a narrative going on there, which I think we should have, could have latched onto and should have um, kind of tracked uh, in, in comedy terms. Because, you know, we had a license or in the past, sort of, you know, comedians had a, a license, you know, the licensed fool that you could um, send up politicians. But again, that's changed as well, because, um, you know, your comedians are being judged politically and programmes are being taken off air. And, um, you know, you look on Twitter uh, now, if I've done some sketch about Nicola Sturgeon or mentioned some something there, you know, they would I would get the pile-in from the SNP. Or if I do something about Boris, I'll get the pile-in from the Brexiteers. Are you are you bothered about that though? Does that does that ever in, do you ever feel it bothers me culturally because it's it's an attempt of the from the other side to shut you down, and I think that it's important that uh, I think the the people the world is too you know it's, it's, you can't just leave it to the politicians and and comedians I think I like the idea that people know where we're coming from and we're coming from a human um, perspective that we're not. I, I'm, you know, fair-minded enough. I hope to be able to see the strengths of both sides. I mean, I've mm. said both Labour and Conservative governments over the years, and I try to constantly, I try to kind of take my pulse as to whether I'm being fair-minded or not. But that's diff- being fair-minded is different from being unbiased because yeah. you've gone so far down this track of bias and non-bias that the next time Ellen MacArthur comes back from a round-the-world voyage, they're going to have to put on somebody from the Flat Earth Society to argue the other other side of the argument. But what I love about your story is that, I mean, people that have seen you on the stage or seen you on TV, they they know of you as a performer. But also, I mean, you're a brilliant mischief maker as well. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I mean, it was reported in January that the former cabinet secretary, Sir Robin Butler, was so concerned about your impression of John Major um, that he said you might have even brought the government down uh, because you were pranking um, Conservative MPs with a, what was it, a 11 seat majority, I think he had, or whatever yeah. he had in those days. I well, mean, if you remember, Michael, that it was distinctly uncomfortable, if I may, if I may say so. Yeah, those are the major days. And um, yeah, we rang up some Eurosceptics. I mean, I don't know if you can imagine a world where a Conservative Prime Minister is given a hard time from Eurosceptic backbenchers. I mean, I don't know if it rings any bells. I mean, it, it, was, it was never going to go anywhere, that Eurosceptic movement. I mean, you know, they were. Clearly, what was it to David Cameron? I mean, they were, they were fruit kings. I mean, you know, I, I don't think they're going to go anywhere. Um, yeah, and that was, it, it is, it is look back and you think of it as being an innocent time. And and things, is that, that Lenin thing about, you know, there are decades when nothing happens for weeks and then there are weeks when decades happen. So you look back to that time with Major. But yeah, it was, um, we were messing around. It was the early days of uh, the Rory Bremner Who Else program at Channel 4. Um, I'd rung up Richard Body, and I think, um, was it, what was his name? Carlisle, not Robert Carlisle, but anyway, it was, there was another kind of junior minister, uh, but the tape didn't work. We weren't recording. Um, but anyway, we started to ring back benches uh, because we knew that Major was out of the country. Um, and but this got back to Robin Butler, and a few people said, "I've spoken to John Major. I've spoken to the Prime Minister." And they said, "Well, no, you haven't." And I think Richard Body actually said, well, "Look, I think I think I'd know if it was Sumner." So they realised that something was going on, and Robin Butler, slightly old boy network, rang up Michael Grade and said, "I think we've got a problem here." And um, anyway, they some they sort of got to the bottom of it, and they were just worried that I was going to ring up Ken Clark. Um, 
Well, it's actually more likely that I, I was going to ring up somebody as Kenneth Clark. Because I, I, I remember I, I, he, he, he was one of my favourite characters, and I, love, I just loved doing him. Um, but yeah, so they, uh, Michael Grade um, sort of called us, and I think we had to hand over the tape, and uh, it, it just ended up as an anecdote in John Major's book. I think he talks about that young wag. I mean, but, but it was, it was, it does seem like, I mean, the 90s, I mean, it seems like such an innocent time compared to, you know, the sort of the, the I guess, the high stakes politics that we're, we're living in uh, in 2020. I mean, well, something's gone wrong right around the world. You see, other, I mean, if you look at, you look at other countries as well. I mean, you look at uh, Orban in Hungary, Duterte in the Philippines, uh, Erdogan in Turkey, Bolsonaro in Brazil. What's happening is this, this takeover by these strongmen demagogues, and they're kind of undermining and uh, uh, de uh, undermining these institutions like the World Health Organization and NATO and the United Nations and European Union that were set up after the war to undo the damage done by the last generation. So there's something big that's happening here. Yeah. Um, but you know, then you throw in something like um, COVID nineteen, like a pandemic, and you know, nationalism does not protect you from diseases, whereas internationalism arguably could. Could I mean, but but also there are causes that are are dear to your heart. You know, ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, to name one, where you've got to create a voice, create awareness in an environment where so many people are being squeezed out because actually we're becoming so much more single issue about whether it's the virus or. Or, 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 or I guess these big challenging issues that you're talking about. How do you make sure that some of the things you care about get the attention they deserve? Well, I think mental mental health generally um, is it's very much become a thing. I think I think Labour under Gordon Brown again they seem to sort of push a lot with things like dyslexia and dyspraxia, and the Liberals uh, were quite good about this as well. Um, Norman Lamb, particularly, I think they pushed the mental health agenda. So, you know, it's and it's now okay. BBC have done a lot of programs, and a lot of people from Vinnie Jones to Freddie Flintoff uh, mm. have spoken out about it. In my case, it was ADHD. I recognized it in another relative. But um, what's interesting because, um, you know, there are um, people are different, you know, and with ADHD, um, people have a tremendous energy and ir- irrepressibility and an impetuosity, um, but also an obsessiveness about if, if you find an ADHD. ADHD person, it's not attention deficit, it's attention surfeit. They're paying attention to too many different things. And if they find something which is a really passionate interest, they can be absolutely lost in that. And the interesting thing about that is that employers are now, this is the sort of one of the benefits of the concentration on mental health, is that employers are increasingly encouraged to recruit people who are neurodiverse. And neurodiversity is, uh, you know, um, you, I mean, one example is when Dominic Cummings was talking about, you know, wanting weirdos and stuff to work in the, in the civil service. But, you know, I think in GCHQ and in other areas, there are things that people who are neurodiverse, people who are different, who maybe are, you know, look at, um, you know, uh, Alan Turing, for example. I mean, I don't know. I think he must have been on the spectrum, you know, autistically, but brilliant and a genius brain. And so I think, you know, there's a positive side to this mental health argument. Well, well, well I agree with you that the issue is up there. But when you look at the charities that are supporting, um, I mean, you, you know, you, you are very closely connected with charities supporting this issue. Um, um, in terms of actually how that turns into, I guess, 
their sort of opportunity to sort of like you know get out there and campaign do the things i was looking at a tweet that you said about that you know actually this is a tough time for for those sorts of charities right now it is because it, well because coronavirus and the national health service uh, and carers for very good reason has sucked all of the fundraising attention um into this the only game in town uh, which mm. you know and it's hard to argue again you can see that we've not seen something on this scale i mean you know in Britain alone, anything from forty to sixty thousand deaths. I mean, it's just if you said to somebody, "Do you realise in the first six months of your government, Boris, or whatever it is, that you know you're going to appear hit by a pandemic, and there'll be tens of thousands of people will die?" So uh, naturally, but that's meant such. I mean, in my particular thing with hospitality, because of course a lot of fundraising is bringing people together for fundraising dinners, fundraising things, or auctions. Um, again, it's it's about, so we can't do that anymore. And people's attention has been diverted. So one of the things that I can do, um, as well as just put out the kind of tweets and host quizzes and stuff like that, is to just remind people. Mary Curie, and I think they got one of the Trump specials. And my, the wonderful lady who did so much for cancer, Mary Berry. Is it Mary Berry? Mary, Mary Curie. Mary, that's what I said. I said, Marie Curie, you're, you're fired. Um, to remind people, those charities are out there. Marie Curie's one. Um, Tusk is another one. My daughter's running the charity um, uh, marathon for them. Tusk, who does wildlife um, conservancy in Africa. Um, so, yeah, these charities are out there and they're needing support. Yeah, and, and but also not to lose that fact about being together. I mean, you know, a lot of... Um, a lot of your your Twitter followers, I mean, they're loving your your contributions on social media at the moment. I mean, you know, you've got some absolute crackers. I mean, is that where this is going to go now for a bit in terms of keeping us together digitally, keeping the voice going digitally? Well, I I I I, I, I call them my Captain Karuna uh, yeah, tweets, which I I, I I think they're kind of a way of stopping me going mad. Um, and I was in makeup the other day doing a thing. Uh, I, I happened to have the wig and I happened to, you know, have the photograph. So I just put out that, that uh, the most recent tweet. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, as I don't have a platform, as I don't have a show, um, it's just a way of kind of just saying what I, what I think. And I try to, when, when things work most successfully, I think, in terms of sort of topical comedy, it's where, you know, you're, you're hopefully, because you you, know, you just enjoy comedy and you enjoy making people laugh. So that is the sort of prime impulse, but also that it has something to say behind it, that, you know, it's mm. really what you're thinking at that time. And uh, it, that's what satire is, you know, it often, it's, it's about ridiculing sometimes. And, you know, that's, I go back to Bird and Fortune again, who were, had this amazing ability week in, week out to identify a policy or an individual and George Parr, you know, would, would embody that character. And by the end of that seven or eight minutes of television, you go, how how could they stand up? It was and, wonderful. And, it was and, wonderful. And, yeah. and that was winning. And that goes right back to a book that influenced me much more than anyone, any other. And that was Candide, which was by Voltaire in the late 18th century. And that was in a world where, you know, people were being encouraged to believe that God knew what he was doing and that everything was for the best, in the best of all possible worlds, as Voltaire put it. And after the Lisbon earthquake, where thousands died, uh, Voltaire thought, this is just, how can people believe this? So he used every weapon in the satirist's army, mm. armor, uh, armory, 
um, to uh, write this 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 novel, um, Candide, where his character Candide is uh, taken around the world and sees plague and war and suffering, and his philosophy is is tested to destruction at the end of that book. You think, how can what do, what do you mean the best of all possible worlds? Of course it is. Um, it's done with such humour, and all of the weapons, as I say, all the weapons of the satirist armory are in that book. And and your philosophy, your view of the world. I mean, you've seen the world over some pivotal decades how how have you changed um well no i mean i i come down to a shallow thing actually i come back to the last line in that book candide which is il faut cultiver notre jardin and that basically i understand that to mean that you can't change the world but you can just do your best to improve the part of it where you are you have an influence or you or wait where you live you know in, in, in either physically or culturally just and that kind of boils down to an even more simple philosophy, which I try to just inculcate with my children. I just say, do your best and be kind. Um, and mm. be I mean, it, it strikes me that that your voice has never been more important. You know, there, there is that saying, that saying, isn't there, that a good a good laugh heals a lot of hurts. I mean, I mean, this is a world that, that that's hurting at the a moment. Lot a lot of hurt. A lot of hurt. Things happening, and look at look at America now. But we're doing tremendously. Look at our numbers. Michael, we've got tremendous numbers. We're over a hundred thousand now. Tremendous numbers, and yeah, I. But I take your point absolutely. And you don't have to look at Twitter, or would be my Twitter feed on a on a good good day to see. You know, there's division, and it's come about. You know, as I say, since these 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 referenda and the binary nature, and the people. You know, I always used to love the French way of uh, of talking about discussions, discuter, where you could you could have a different opinion and you'd have a ding dong and you'd have a discussion about it. Um, and you could do it in a good human and a good natured way. And I think, you know, increasing, it's become very difficult to do that. And people think unless you absolutely come round to their point of view, they will they will try every trick in the book to trip you up, to turn you over, to um, get you flat on your back. Um, because they disagree with you. And I think you can disagree with people and you can put that case. And I'd rather put that case with humour than with violence or um, with anger. And, but I've, also, I've always felt humour is the greatest riposte. I mean, it's a, it's a way to shine a light on absurdity. So many things. Rory, we're, we're, we're regrettably out of time. I mean, I was reading here that you've never been told by... Um, Channel 4, that formerly that Bremner Burden Fortune has actually stopped and that you were like one of those Japanese soldiers who'd been told that the war isn't over. Well, I think for you, sir, the war definitely isn't over because we're not ready for you to surrender. That's been Changemakers with the wonderful Rory Bremner. We'll see you next time. 